I've been reading a book, forget that, I've been reading this book by Eugene Peterson, uh, and it's called Eat This Book, and a lot of the, the illustrations that I'm going to be pulling this morning are from this book. Um, the title of the book, Eat This Book, comes from the text in the book of Revelation that we're about to read, but in the preface, he tells a story about his grandson, Hans. Uh, Hans is about seven years old, he'd been going to communicants class at church, the, the pastor had actually given him a Bible that day. And Eugene Peterson's wife, Hans' grandmother, picked him up from church, took him to the park. Hans was just chatting up. He was, he was talking to the little kid. They had, a, they had a sandwich. He played a little bit. And then they were going to go to the museum. But before they got ready to go to the museum, Hans pulled out his new Bible out of his backpack. And he opened it, and he got real serious and quiet and scanned the pages for, for a minute or two. And then he put it back in his bag, and he said, all right, Grandma, I'm ready now. We can go to the museum. And Peterson said his wife was both impressed with her grandson and amused at her grandson because her grandson can't read. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those cute little kid stories, but Peterson saw a parable in this, and, and this is what he said. Hans on the park bench, his eyes moving back and forth across the pages of his Bible, reading but not reading, reverent and devout but uncomprehending. Honoring in a precious way this book, but without awareness that it has anything to do with either the lettuce and mayonnaise sandwich he has just eaten or the museum he is about to visit. Oblivious to his grandmother next to him, Hans reading his Bible, a parable, a parable of the scriptures depersonalized into an object to be honored, the scriptures detached from precedence and consequence, from lunch and the museum. It is the devil's work to take what is presently endearing and innocent in Hans and perpetuate it into a lifetime of reading marked by devout indifference. What I want to say, countering the devil, is that in order to read the scriptures adequately and correctly, it is necessary at the same time to live them. Reading the scriptures means letting another have a say in everything we are doing. It is as easy as that and as hard. Reading the scriptures means letting another one have a say in everything that we're doing. In other words, to really read the Bible means to let God have a say, have the final say in everything that we do in our lives. And in order to let God have the final say in the things that we do in our lives, we have to do more than just scan the pages or skim whatever amount we feel like we need to skim in order to get rid of our evangelical guilt about not reading the Bible but we have to do what Peterson actually says in the title of his book. says we have to eat this book. We have to get this book in us. And so that's what we're going to think about today. But let me read these passages for us. First is from 1 Peter chapter 1 and then Revelation chapter 10. This is God's word. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted 
that the Lord is good. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. Let me pray for us. Father, um, thank you for your word. And thank you for uh, the chance to, to stand and proclaim and explain your word. And for the chance to, to sit and hear the proclamation of your word. Uh, Father, would you give us ears to hear uh, right now uh, what your word has to say to us. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So what if tomorrow morning you woke up and there was no money in your bank account? Like the government had just decided we need that to, to fight the bad guys or whatever, and they just siphoned it all out. All right, that would, that would change your lifestyle significantly. You, you might have trouble paying the mortgage. You not, might not be able to go see the movies you want to go see. You might have trouble putting food on the, t- food on the table. But this major event would significantly change your lifestyle. Now, you'd have to learn to live in accordance with that. Now, what if, on the other hand, you went from being, say, the coach at Wofford to the coach at Virginia Tech, and you went from making $130,000 a year to $2 million a year? All right, that, if you had something happen like that, that would significantly change your lifestyle, and you would begin to, to live in accordance with, with the new you and what you have in your bank account. Uh, Peter is telling his readers here, that that kind of event has taken place in their lives. That there was a life-changing event, and that they were one kind of person before this event, and now they're a different kind of person after this event, and they need to live like who they are now. He points them to a time in verse 22 where they purified their souls by obeying the truth. He points them to a time in verse 23 where they were actually born again. He points them to a time in verse 3 of the next chapter where they tasted and saw that the Lord was good. And so he says, here's this event that took place. You purified your souls. You were born again. You tasted and saw that the Lord is good. And now because that happened, because of this life-changing event, you need to live this way. You need to love one another fervently. You need to put aside malice. You need to put aside deceit. And you need to eat this book. You need to get this book into you. And so he's telling them, you're not who you used to be. Something radical has happened in your life. The the word of God has come into your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed to you, and now you're a completely different person. And you need to learn to live like the completely different person that you are. Now, many of us, I'd imagine, understand what, what Peter's getting at here. Because there was a time in our lives and we thought, this is all about me. We were kind of like a, a wide receiver on an NFL team. Like, this, this whole game is, is about me. Or we're like a child in one of those little extra saucer things where everything is just spinning around. And like, just the whole world is about me. And we thought we were at the center of the story. And then this gospel story comes into our lives. The scripture comes into our lives. This, this idea that, no, it's not all about you this thing is all about god and his kingdom and that radically changed us Uh, some of us were there was a time when we were lost in addiction when we were caught up in ways of life that were killing us when we were abusive when we were dishonest when we were angry at god when we were angry at other people when we hated ourselves every morning when we looked in the mirror and then we were exposed to the word of god 
and we heard this gospel of Jesus Christ, we understood that Jesus came to rescue broken people. And Jesus came to rescue addicted people. And it was like this light coming on in the dark room. And we were, we were born, it felt like we were born all over again. And we saw that this God of the universe actually loved us. And we tasted and saw that he was good. Our souls were purified and we obeyed the truth of the gospel when we put ourselves in the hands of Jesus and said, Jesus, you've got to save me if anyone's going to. And he did. And, and Peter says, remember that. Remember what God has done. Remember what happened to you. Remember how God loved you. Now go and love each other. Put, put the ways you used to treat each other behind you and go and love each other. Get rid of the ill will and the lying and the hypocrisy and the talking bad about each other behind one another's backs. That, that doesn't make sense for you to do that anymore because that's not who you are. That's who you used to be. But it's not who you are now, so, so don't live like that any longer. If, if you are who you claim to be, if you have really tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then that's not who you are. You need to put that away. Um, my family has always enjoyed Bear Grylls, and anything that, that Bear Grylls is on. You remember the, the original kind of Bear Grylls series was Man vs. Wild, where he would, you know, strand himself on desert islands or out in the, the jungle somewhere, or Antarctica or the backwoods of Alabama or, or, or wherever, just impossible places to get out of. And he would, he would survive, Tuscaloosa, he would, he would survive by living off the land, eating maggots and elephant dung and drinking his own urine and just, just whatever he could find. And, and that was his deal. Well, at one point it came out that, you know, you thought Bear was spending the, wood, the night in the woods every night. Well, some nights he was doing that, and some nights they were taking him to the Hampton Inn. And then they were bringing him back the next day. And it kind of raised the question, well, is, is this guy really who he says he is? Is this whole thing a, a fake? And, and that's something that, that Peter's concerned with here. He says, because when, when we come in here... And we proclaim one thing, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I take the bread and I drink the wine, and then I go out and I live in a very different way. If my life is characterized by not loving other people and by hypocrisy and by, by holding grudges and lying and, and all these other things, then it raises the question, are we actually who we say we are? Do we actually know this Jesus that we claim to know? Uh, the Discovery Channel, which was the channel that, that Man vs. Wild was on, was concerned about the profitability of their show. And so they promised something along the lines of full disclosure for the rest of their shows. Like, if, if he spends the night in a hotel tonight, we're going to let you know that he spent the night in a hotel tonight. They wanted to correct the hypocrisy. And so we ought to want to do that as well. When we find things are, in our lives that are inconsistent with following Jesus, we should want to cover those up, but we should want to correct those and begin to live like the people that we say that we are. Now, all right, all that in some sense is a setup for this. How, how do we begin to do that? How do I become the person that I say that I am? You know, I say I, I love Jesus. I, I say I, I believe the gospel, but I feel stuck with my bad temper or my unkind words or with this, that, or the other. And, and how do I make progress in that? How do I change? 
Now, there's a, there's a longer and a bigger answer, and the, the longer answer involves prayer and worship and discipleship, um, understanding the gospel well, understanding justification, understanding that the identity, my identity in Christ, who I am in Christ. But Peter focuses on one specific part of that. He focuses on the word of God. He says this, as newborn babies desire the pure spiritual milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Now, those of you who have been around a newborn recently know what it's like when a baby is hungry and when they're, they're craving milk. Um, Peter says if you and I are going to grow, we have to crave and desire the word of God like that newborn child craves and desires milk. Because the word of God is what God uses to bring us to faith in Christ but he also uses it to grow us up as believers. In other words, you might say, think about it this way. Um, a lot of times the, the cornerstone of our health issues is what? It's a healthy diet. And you can do all kind of other stuff, but if you're eating horribly, then you're probably going to have issues. The cornerstone of, of growing spiritually is this healthy diet on the word of God. We were born through the word. And now we grow through the word. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? I want to say two things about that. Number one, it means that we have to eat this book. And number two, it means we have to develop a craving for this book. Right? We have to eat this book and we have to develop a craving for this book. So let me, let me break those down a little bit. We have to eat this book. We need to do whatever we, need to do, we can do to get the contents of the scriptures inside of us. Uh, it was said about John Bunyan that if you cut him, he would actually bleed Bible. So my question for you is, if you were cut this morning, what would you bleed? Like it would, be, would it be the recruiting class for your favorite team for 2025? Is that what would just naturally come pouring out? Would it be all the, the ins and outs of your favorite hobby? Is that what would come pouring out. And, you know, the sense of which that's all well and good. If you want to become a Clemson fan, you got to get Clemson inside of you. If you want to be a good deer hunter, you got to get hunting inside of you. If you want to be a home remodeler, you got to get Chip and Joanna inside of you, I guess, or, or whatever. But, but if you want to become like Jesus, you've got to get this book inside of you. So, how do I do that? How do I eat this book? Let me suggest three ways that it happens. Number one is what's happening right now. Uh, it, it's giving our attention to the preaching of God's word. Uh, that happens here. Uh, listen to the catechism question, the first one again. The spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effective means of convincing and converting sinners and building them up in holiness and comfort through faith to salvation. Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 says that it's through the foolishness of preaching that people are actually saved. And so this is actually your main meal every week uh, where you consume, where you eat the word of God. This is where you're fed. This is where you're nourished. This is where you're supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you neglect this meal on a, a regular basis, you're, you're going to be spiritually malnourished. Because this is where you're meant to come together and be fed on the word of God. Um, secondly, about preaching, my job and Coleman and Matt's jobs when, when they stand up here and preach 
is to prepare the meal. And one of the things we have to do, our responsibility is, is to take preparing this meal seriously. That you, you're, You've hired us to be chefs of the word of God, so to speak. And so we're supposed to make sure that we prepare you an adequate meal each week. Um, and we're responsible for that. But we have to remember that also that this is also a supernatural thing. This is not just me standing up and giving a lecture uh, somewhere. But this is a supernatural thing. And so... We need this, the Holy Spirit to be at work here this morning, or we're just wasting our time. So my encouragement in that is that you would pray for us, for whoever's preaching, that we would prepare well, that we would pray as we prepare, and that you would also pray that the Spirit would be at work when we all gather together for this meal. Now, so we come together for the proclamation of the Word. My job is to prepare the meal what are you doing besides showing up to eat? Well, you got a, you got a job ahead of time as well. And, and I didn't print this out, but in the larger catechism, it's got this question that's one of my, my favorite ones. And they ask this, what is required of those who hear the word preached? Right? So it's like, what is, what is your responsibility? It is required of those who hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God, meditate and confer of it, which means meditate and talk about it, hide it in their hearts, and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. I'm not going to go through all that, but let me ask you a couple questions about that. Do you ever take any time to prepare to hear the word of God preached? Right, we, we send out the text in the newsletter on Thursday. Do you ever sit down and kind of read through that to start thinking and praying about what's going to happen this morning? It might look like uh, spending some time by yourself, praying specifically for this, praying with your family about Sunday morning. Uh, it might look like a tweak to your Sunday morning schedule so that we're, you know, we're not coming in here sideways on two wheels with everybody barely getting dressed, but that we're actually thinking about, all right, I need to take some time this morning to prepare for the preaching of God's word. Because I I think the way we think about it a lot of times is we think about it like going to a sporting event, and there's a difference the way people prepare who are going to watch the game and people who are actually going to play the game. And I I think we need to make a move from thinking Sunday mornings is time when I go to watch the game and I just go watch somebody preach to to know I'm, I'm going to actually participate in this game and i got to get my game face on if this is actually going to be a fruitful event in my life so 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 what does that look like for you to to prepare for this Uh, secondly can i so that's on the front end what are you doing with this on the on the back end um you know how many times have we all said like that was a good sermon and then we get home and we eat lunch we take a nap and we eat supper then we get up monday morning we're like what that was a, I think that was a good sermon. What was that sermon about again? And so let me just encourage you that, that whether you take notes or not, to, to go back maybe later today and, and read through this passage again, these passages again, and kind of whirl around, like read this over again and, and rethink and meditate on what, this, what we actually talked about this morning. Maybe sit down and talk to your family about it. Maybe sit down and talk to a, a friend about it. Maybe there's something you are convicted about in the sermon. You're like, I, I need to change. Well, don't think you got to do that by yourself. 
Find somebody and talk to them about that uh, to help you along in that. And then the, the fourth thing I'm going to say about preaching <clears throat> is that preaching is cumulative. Preaching is cumulative. It kind of builds up over time. We all want every sermon to be earth-shattering, including the, the, the people who preach. But the reality is, is that God uses preaching to, to chip away at us slowly over time to, to water us and nourish us and grow us up in the faith. And that just doesn't always happen overnight. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, I can't remember a farmer who was ever in a hurry. Farmers work hard, but there is too much work to do to get in a hurry. That is like, that's a great line. Farmers work hard, but there's, there's too much work to do to get in a hurry. If you break the rhythms of the land and the seasons and the weather, things fall apart. Farms help us learn patience and attentiveness. And then he quotes Wendell Berry, a poem by Wendell Berry. I'm trying to teach my mind to bear the long, slow growth of the fields and to sing of its passing while it waits. And so the, the farmer shows up and he hoes the row and he waters it and he waits for rain and he fertilizes and do all the things that, that farmers do. And then he waits for that crop to bear fruit over time. And so preachers show up and, the, and, and they do the work of preaching and we come and we sit under the preaching of the word. And as we prayerfully sit under the preaching of the word, we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and to make that preaching effective and to work in our lives. And that takes patience. And that takes us continually showing up. It's like, okay, that wasn't dramatic. Nothing earth-shattering this week, but I'm going I'm to show up again for that. And I'm going to show up again for that. And I'm going to see what God does in my life over time. So, main course, showing up here, we do this together. But we also eat this book alone. There, there's some meals that we enjoy by ourselves. Uh, so I encourage you, you know, go home. Sit down, open the scriptures, read and pray and think and meditate. Chew on this text like, like a dog would chew on a bone. Think through what it's telling you about Jesus and about yourself and about your own need for Jesus. Uh, take a devotional book like Seeking God's Face that I re- recommend a lot and uh, work through that. Don't think you've got to... I think one of the hazards we fall into is like, all right, got to do this and i got to read through the Bible in a year and it just kind of becomes this checklist and I have 15 minutes right I'm going to knock this out um, and, and I really think one of the threats to our spiritual growth is our inability to go slow and our technology in our society is pushing hard against us going slow uh, Pascal, I think it was Pascal that said one of our, the cause of a lot of our problems is our inability to sit in a room quietly by ourselves and there's this, we feel like boredom is the greatest threat to our existence. And, and we have this technology that enables us to go, all right, I'm bored. I need a dopamine hit. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Nothing else on Facebook. Instagram, scroll, scroll, scroll. Nothing else on Instagram. Twitter, scroll. Okay, let me go look at Pinterest now. Scroll, scroll. All right, now I'm going to serve a few websites. All right, I'm tired of the internet. Oh, I got Spotify. Let me listen to this for a little bit. I'm tired of listening to music. Oh, there's something good on that. Oh, I can binge this on Netflix. And so we're just constantly moving from one thing to the other so that we're constantly entertained and never bored and we never slow down. And and it's hard to think about sitting still and reading scripture in that context. And so we have to learn to to go slow. Uh, We put down our devices, uh, most of us anyway, to eat a meal, to eat supper, 
put them down sometimes. Just put them away and, and sit down with this book and go slow. And go slow and go prayerfully and expect that it, it might be a little bit boring, but that's okay. That's okay. And so we, we eat this book together. We eat this book alone. And let me back up a minute. There's another way we eat this book together, and that's in our small groups. You don't have to do this all by yourself. Uh, you you can, can sit down and talk about the scriptures with other people, and that can be incredibly helpful. One of the ways we do that is in our small groups uh, where we talk about the sermon. You can do that in context other than that where you just find somebody and talk about what the Bible says uh, and, and apply it to your lives. That can be very helpful. So, eat this book. Last thing, we have to develop a craving or a desire for this book. How do we do that? How does, how does this move from just a duty to actually something that I want to do, that I, that I want to spend time doing? Um, I'm going to suggest two things. Number one, uh, James encourages us. He says, don't just be a hearer. Like that's, that's the constant danger. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but, the, but be a doer of the word. And so we have to, if we're going to crave this book, we have to leave here and actually try to put this book in practice. We have to start trying to follow Jesus in our lives, in our homes, with our families, in our schools, in our jobs. Start asking yourself in those places, what would Jesus have me to do in this situation? How should I be responding emotionally right now to the things that are going on around me? How do I live like a Christian? And now what do I do that I've messed that up so badly and failed at that? We have to make a conscious effort to let God be the final authority in everything we do, to let God have a say in everything that we do. And if you're honestly trying to do that, if you walk in and you're trying to figure out how to do that, I think that's going to create a desire to go back and read God's book and say, all right, well, wait, now how am I supposed to do this? What does it look like to live out the Christian faith here? Is there anywhere I can go for information about that? Yeah, yeah, there is. And we have that in the scriptures. I think if, we're, if we find ourselves in a situation of like, man, I, just, I don't read the scriptures much. I, I, it's, this is not a part of my life. It may be that you think, I, I can do this without God. I mean, that's, that's practically what we're saying. It's like, I, I got this. I can figure this out with, without God. Or it may be that you're not really trying to follow him. Uh, from, from Peterson again, he says that we have a new trinity now. It's the, the trinity of my holy wants, needs, and feelings. He says, my needs are non-negotiable. My wants are evidence of my expanding sense of kingdom. I am larger than life and so require more and more goods and services. My feelings are the truth of who I am. And if my whole life is following my wants and my needs and my feelings, I probably don't need to hear from God because I can figure that out on my own. Uh, Peterson tells a story. He says when he was in his mid-30s, he got back into to running again for exercise. And, and he went all in. Uh, he would do a 10K every couple of months. He would run a marathon once a year. Uh, he said he was subscribed to three different running magazines. Uh, he was reading runner's books from the library. He said he never got tired of reading about running. 
said, it didn't matter that I had read the same thing nearly 20 times before. It didn't matter that the prose was patched together with cliches. I was a runner, and I read it all. And then he pulled a muscle, and he couldn't run anymore. And what happened was he quit reading about running. He realized that when he quit running, he quit reading about running. He said he didn't make a conscious decision to quit reading about running. He just stopped. But the moment he started running again, he started reading about running again. Do you you see where this is going? He, He said this, if I'm not participating in the God reality, the creation, salvation, holiness reality revealed in the Bible, if I'm not involved in obedience, then I'm probably not going to be much interested in reading about it at least for very long. See, if I'm, if I'm running, I'm reading. If I'm running the Christian life, then I'm probably going to be <clears throat> reading about the Christian life. And so it's possible the reason that we're not reading about the Christian life is because we're not really trying to run the race. And so my encouragement to you this morning would be go run. Go run. Get out of here and run. Get out here and try to, to figure out how to follow Jesus in your workplace and with your family. And I think if you're really trying to do that, if you're trying to prayerfully follow Jesus wherever you go, you're going to want to come back and read this book and get this book inside of you. Now, second thing, and we'll close with this. We've got to go run. We've got to try to practice this. But then we also have to encounter the Jesus of this book. We've got to encounter the Jesus of this book and not just kind of like read this book for a book in itself. Here's how Peterson puts it. If the knowledge we acquire through our reading and study of this text that involves us in following Jesus diverts us from the very Jesus we started following. In other words, he's like, if you're reading this just so you can argue about theology... If, if you're reading this so you can have the best Christian theory of government or education or whatever and you can just argue with other people about that or the right view of communion or the right view of baptism or whatever to be morally superior, if, if the reason you're reading the Bible diverts you from actually following the Jesus of the Bible, he says we would have been better off never to have opened the book in the first place. It's possible to read this and miss Jesus. It's possible to read this and miss the main point. Jesus told the Pharisees, you guys search the scriptures because you think that by them you have life, and yet the scriptures are pointing to me, and you refuse to come to me to have life. And so the the kind of encounter with this book that leads to growth, that leads to life, that makes you want to come back again, it's when you open the pages of this book and you encounter Jesus. When, when you go out and you try to run and you try to live the Christian life and you fall down again and life hits you and you're having a hard time getting up and you sit down, as we talked about last week, for that morning cup of coffee with Jesus and you, you, you pour out your soul to him in prayer and then you take up his word and you listen. And you meet him there, and you sit in his presence, and you once again taste and see that he's good. That's the encounter, kind of encounter with this book that will change you, because that's the encounter with Jesus, who is the one who can change you.
you know there you all have grandmas or aunts or something to make desserts and you like I gotta go back and get some more of that because what you tasted was so good if you meet Jesus in this book then that's the kind of attitude you'll have about the Bible like I gotta I gotta go back and get some more of that let me pray for us Father, um, I pray that we will walk out of here having heard more than I need to read my Bible more. But that we would walk out of here thinking, i got to get more of Jesus. And you've given me a place where I can get more of Jesus. So let me pursue that. Father, would you help us to do that? And as we do that, would you help us to encounter your son and to be changed by him? Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.